look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here. And what I try to do every single week is I try to tell Jesus stories. And uh, I think Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And today, I have a, uh, a great friend with me today, and we have a great privilege to hear someone else open the scriptures to us to tell this story about uh, Jesus. My friend uh, Jeff Atherton's with us this morning from Pipeline Church, and he's been a friend of mine for many years now since I've been in California. He's been a mentor, a big brother to me, and I'm so thankful for him. Uh, whenever, right before I came to this church, we had contemplating planting a church together, and it was like the Lord just uh, pulled us, uh, you know, in different areas right before he planted his church. He planted his church probably just over eight years ago, and it has exploded in the Visalia area. And so uh, will you give my friend, Pastor uh, Jeff Atherton, a warm crossroads welcome uh, as he comes. Mic is on. All right. It's us uh, matching my color palette, guys. I need to make sure because I know the people in Lompoc want to see me in real color this morning. So, hey, Lompoc, it's great to see you. I went to your church yesterday and I was so impressed by your kegerator for the coffee. That was my favorite part of Lompoc. I'm going to be honest, you guys, you're doing something right. And, and I asked, so why do we preach live here and why do we do video venue there? And they said, um, because the Christians go to Lompoc. And so <laughs> we're just trying to give you something extra over here, just trying to bless you, you know. Uh, so it's great to be here. Uh, as Sam mentioned, yes, um, I am from the Central Valley of California, uh, where he uh, originated from once he hit uh, California, he got there, and then he realized he was not close enough to the beach, so he had to come this way. Um, I, I, you know, I feel like we're all valley people. Can I get a little excitement for the valley? All right, all right. Um, I want to thank you guys openly for growing all the wine and the weed for the area. Um, just, it's pretty, I was like, wow, you have a lot of skunk farms around here. It's amazing what's going on uh, in the valley. This valley is different. Ours smells like cows, um, just so you know. Um, Visalia and Tulare County, cows outnumber people um, five to one. If you put beef cows and dairy cows together, then it's a 10 to one ratio. So our air is fantastic. <laughs> Everybody walks around, smells like money. So good, so good. Um, in the Central Valley of uh, California where I live, one of my favorite things uh, to, to give a little stats, my daughter went down to Irvine to go to school. And uh, so she started like collecting the stats of information that people needed to know about the Central Valley, um, that over 25% of the nation's total food supply is grown in my town, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But, but here's the other one that's crazy. 
Um, 50% of the nation's fruit and nut supply is grown there as well. So, I mean, if you've had, you know, blue diamond almonds or anything like that, you get those flavory treats. Some of you have uh, jumped off the peanut butter train. You've gone to the almond butter train, I understand. Guess what? We grow those, right? That's, if you ever had one of them little cuties, the little tiny oranges, we grow those. That's what we do. You know, it's the kind of thing. So I just feel like, you know, all of us ag people, some with beautiful weather, me with Crappy weather, horrible weather. He said crap. Yeah, it gets worse. Watch. Um, Hey, so I just got to say thank you. And I got to say thank you in a large way to my friend, Pastor Sam, for what he's doing here uh, in Buellton and in Lompoc. Lompoc, Lompoc, that's how I say it, right? Lompoc. Um, I, I can't say enough good about what Sam and Sarah are doing. I also met the, the mayor of Lompoc, Pastor Tyler, uh, yesterday. Um, everywhere we went, it was like, he just showed, like, we didn't really invite him to even go with us. And he just showed up there and people were like greeting him and thanking him for being there, handing him keys to their building. Like, it was phenomenal. So Lompoc, all you Christians over there, you got a good guy with his beard and his hair and your kegerator, all right? Um, I, I went to Hamal, Halama Beach yesterday. Oh, y'all, you don't understand. Like, I sit and look over cornfields. Like, when I'm trying to get away, I just get to look over corn and fruits. Y'all get to go and see God at work out there. That was amazing. We went to downtown Lompoc. <laughs> Did one of these. I ate. I beat Pastor Sam at his game. He said he's never been beat at. Just saying, just throwing it in. So I, I just want to say thank you guys. I, I, can you guys give Pastor Sam, Pastor Tyler, and all the teams that run these churches a big hand? You'll notice this morning I screwed up your program. Uh, Pastor Sam would probably say, or Pastor Tyler would probably say, hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. I actually put the printed version in your hand. Um, I got notes. Don't worry, Pastor Sam, Pastor Tyler, they won't ever do this again. Um, so this is not how they roll. It's how I roll. My brain works this way, and I'm, I'm going to need you to follow along with me. Uh, so if you need notes, they've got some that they can hand to you uh, in both the locations. But, but here's why I did the notes today, and I kind of broke protocol. Um, it's because part of what we're doing is we're walking through the book of Ephesians, and I got on the train with y'all. Um, but I'm using the New Living Translation this morning. Um, it's a, a bit of a corrected paraphrase, if you will, of the scripture. And so Pastor Sam, uh, I know usually preaches from the ESV. So I said, hey, I'm going to use the NLT today. And for those of you who don't even know what that means, you're thinking like, is he's got some special language he's talking. That's okay. Just follow your notes. You'll be fine. All right. Uh, the other thing is I want you to notice there's some fill-ins on there. Um, and it's like an activity page for adults. All right. So if you want to just color, if I get boring, that's fine. You can do that. Uh, But I will tell you in all truth and honesty, my church would be absolutely floored that I gave you paper because I never do that at home. We do everything at our church on an app. So even the notes are on the app. And I, I did that mainly because I note that people are texting and scrolling Facebook during church. And I just want to imagine 
that they're taking notes, right? And so I was like, hey, let's just make it easy, put everything on the phone so they can do that. But um, I, here, here's the biggest thing. Today, we're going to talk and look a lot at marriage, but it's not just for married people. We live in a world today where godly marriage and, and, and real marriage and long-lasting forever marriage is not the norm. You guys realize that, right? Like, I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, people get married all the time. We get that. Even like all kinds of groupings of people are getting married right now. And there's all kinds of things going on. But, but here's the thing. Long-lasting forever marriage is not the norm. Everywhere I look today, marriages are struggling. I look at people that well-intended, well-meaning people are struggling in their marriages. And, and I do a lot of both pre-marriage and post-marriage counseling and, and for marriages that are struggling and, and enriching and trying to help them out. And I have all kinds of people that come through my office and, and, and meet with me. And, and here's the thing. I believe that God's word has some very clear directives for what it means to be a follower of Christ. Not only that, but to set a precedent for a community. One of the things that you say is something that we say, we live for the glory of God and the good of the valley, right? And, and that's one of the things that we really live into at Pipeline Church in Visalia. It's so important to us that we recognize that we're supposed to be the pace setters for the rest of the world. I say this every service. I encourage you to be the church that the world desperately needs you to be. There's too many people out there who say, oh yeah, I love Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, and then they live in a way that everybody cannot figure out how you actually say that's who you are. And so I think we're just supposed to be who we say we are. If we'll just be who we say we are, I think the world will change. And I think uh, marriages are a huge element of that because God wants something better for us for the people that he loves, for this world. And I believe that God loves everybody. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everybody. And you might say, oh, what about this? And what about that? And let me talk about this theological stance and whatever. But I believe that God has called and put a, a craving in the heart of every person for something greater than themselves. That being his spirit. And this morning, I, I just wanna kinda take us into with that thought this concept of what it looks like to have a healthy marriage, healthy relationships, and a healthy life. Uh, how many of you are married this morning? I just want to see, Lompoc, you can raise your hands. All right. Okay, so, so are you aware that most people marry someone opposite of themselves? Right? Right? If you're sitting there and you're like, no, actually, I just married someone exactly like me. Guess what? You're going to be that old couple walking down the beach wearing the same Velcro shoes later on. All right? So I'm trying to help you out. Like, if you married somebody exactly like you, there's somebody in the marriage that's not necessary anymore. All right? So it's important that you married somebody that's pretty different from you. And when we start dating... You know, it's that whole thing, you know, like uh, Paula Abdul said it a long time ago, opposites attract, right? If you don't even know who that is or where that came from, just let it pass. <laughs> opposites attract, but the, when you get into marriage and you've been married for like more than a week, you realize that opposites attack, <laughs> right? 
So it's kind of like this. Hey, you know what, girls? He's just so funny. He's just the best. I just love him so much, right? I have three daughters. That's how they talk. My wife doesn't talk like that anymore. She doesn't think I'm funny anymore. But then later on, like after you're married, this is the conversation. Oh my God, he is so obnoxious. He has to talk to everyone in every elevator. Why? Why do we have to do that, right? And, and guys too, we do, oh man, she's so, she's so organized. She's so pre- uh, prepared for everything. She's orderly. Because guys, when they're talking, they use words like orderly with one another, right? Like, no, they don't. <laughs> but then after you're married, it's like, she's a freaking control freak. Like, she even makes me fold my underwear. Let me just let you all off the hook. Ladies, if you are underwear folders, you don't need to do that anymore. Not only one, they're like 20 years old because we don't replace them. But then on top of it, we don't care. It's not like, you know what, my underwear wrinkled this morning and I just couldn't do anything today. Right? Like just letting you off the hook. Like if you're like at home folding underwear, no, just throw them in the general region of where he might find them at some point during the week. Well done. All right. Anybody feel good about that? You feel like blessed? All right. At least I could bring you something. Um, You know, and we're all very different. You know, like I'm a driver who likes to just get there. Right? I I don't have to be in a hurry. I got a nice truck. It can go fast. I don't have to show it off. Right? I've made babies with a woman. And so I feel like I've accomplished things in my life. Some of you are like, wow, that was scandalous. Just let it pass. All right? I'll go home after this. Okay? Uh, and, and, and yet there's some people that the speed at which they get someplace is like a badge of honor. Um, my wife is like that. We've put on a lot of sets of tires on her Toyota Sequoia. And, and the guy who actually does the tire replacement and brake replacement on that vehicle actually saw her peeling out of the school parking lot one day and was like, I didn't know your wife was a NASCAR driver. That was... Very large vehicle for NASCAR, all right? Um, Some of us are morning people. Like if you catch me, you should have seen me this morning, 5.30. I was like, yes, (laughs) right? I was ready to go. I'm like at home, I'm like laying there looking at my wife at 6.15. I'm like, it's time to get up, time to get up, time to get up. That's me, right? Um, Cindy, not not so much, right? If you know my wife at all, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to do marriage therapy here right now. I'm just, I'm just letting you in on some things. Like if I talk to her before seven, danger, all right? <laughs> Even on Sunday mornings, we cross paths and we're like, hey, hey, what's going on? Okay, see you at church, right? That's it. That, that, that's it. Um, uh, now, if you catch her at like 1030 on any given night, she's probably starting a project, my brain has been shut off for a good hour, but she's like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go, right? I'm like, girl, you gotta slow your roll, right? I don't even know when she goes to bed. I think she sleeps or she's some kind of vampire or something, right? <laughs> but it's one of those things. We, we marry people that are different. How about this one? How many of you are bed makers? Any bed makers in the house? All right, you guys are gonna feel this. My wife is not. It is not a priority. Now, that's my jam. Like getting into a made bed. I literally go to my house at night. I make the bed. I brush my teeth. I do all my things. I get in the bed because <laughs> I need to get in a made bed. Cindy, no, 
not part of the program. In fact, on any given time, you could roll into my house and you'll find an unmade bed and her pajamas stuffed under the pillow, ready for the next time. Okay, we are very different. I am, it's one of those things. And, and, and before my wife watches this and decides that I don't get to live with her anymore, let me um, just keep going on with this. If both were the same, one would not be necessary. And so we have to embrace the differences. And here's the thing, Satan wants to divide us. It's spiritual warfare that we're really doing. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know we went to that kind of church. 10 minutes till the snakes come out, all right? We'll just hold off, but, but no, really. It's spiritual warfare because Satan wants to divide our relationships. He, he wants to use our differences against us, but God wants to use our differences as our strength. And so let me give you a few things about marriage. I'm gonna skip to pass the text to your first fill-in for today. One is this, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. See, a contract, and this is your second fill-in, is based on mutual distrust. Mutual distrust. It's protecting me from your wrongdoing. It's saying, I'm only in as far as you're in. If you've ever had to sign a rental contract, you know the things you can and can't do. Unless you pay that 10 extra dollars for the car insurance, and then you can literally just wreck it, leave it on the side of the road, and they'll bring you a new one, which is a whole other concept, all right? But here's the idea. In, in our world, people enter into marriage like it is a contract because they truly don't trust one another, because they're very rarely playing from the same playing field, And when we look at this, we have to understand that dating and relationships in our world are kind of a mess. So if you're not married here today, I want to talk to you guys just for a minute. You're like, yeah, I'm single as a Pringle and I'm looking to mingle, baby. Let's go. (laughs) And there's some of you that are like, I kissed dating goodbye. I'm not doing that. I've done some things. I've seen some things and I don't want to go there. Wherever you are, let's just put this. Dating and relationships are really more today in today's world. I got three daughters that are walking through this and it's turned into more practicing for marriage than it has become, than than courtship, right? Dating should be like where you're exploring one another and trying to find out up to a certain limit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But you're trying to figure out who would be the best mate, not, you know, who is my best partner for physical stuff, but who's the person I can live with for the rest of my life. And yet the way we do dating and relationships now, it's like practicing for marriage. It's more, instead of an interview process, it becomes the process of testing out marriage before you actually say vows. And so we do things like this. We just, we start dating and then it becomes really exclusive. And then you start, you know, meeting each other's family and then you buy a dog together, which poor dog, when you break up, I don't know who gets it, right? Get a gerbil or something, they don't last long. Lompoc, I hope you like that as much as they did, all right? So here's the idea, though. We spend a lot of time being real exclusive and trying out this thing, and this is how we're going to do. Some people decide they're going to live together. Some people decide, hey, we're going to really explore how this works. And then here's the other thing that comes along. Typically, people who are dating and in serious relationships, they'll also break up. 
And so in our culture today, by the time somebody actually gets married, they've practiced marriage and divorce multiple times over and over and over and over again, so that when they get into marriage and three years down the road, they realize they really don't like each other. And by the way, your breast stinks in the morning. You know how to get out. And our encouragement is to be different because this isn't a contract built on distrust. This is a covenant that's based on mutual commitment. See, a covenant is based on mutual commitment. We're all in for richer, for poorer, for in sicknesses and health and till death do us part. Marriage is not dividing everything in half and saying these are your chores and these are my chores. It's giving everything you got. There's a pig and a chicken having a conversation in the barnyard one day. Chicken comes up and he says, man, I love this farmer. Pig says, me too. Greatest guy. He feeds me all the slop I want. I get to do it. Look at me. I'm fat. I got a little neck roll like Pastor Jeff, right? Like I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. Chicken says, you know what? We got to reward this guy somehow. He says, well, what do you think we should do? He says, why don't we make him breakfast? The pig looked at the chicken. He was like, hey. That's you making a contribution. This is a full on commitment for me if I'm gonna give breakfast, right? And the picture of it, and some of you are like, I don't understand breakfast, okay? It's all right, eat your granola, have a good day, okay? <laughs> but, but it's the day, I'm not just handing you my eggs, I'm gonna give my life. And in marriage, we look at one another and we say, okay, how can I give everything? I'm gonna take you into counseling with Pastor Jeff right now. This is how I would do counseling, marriage counseling, enrichment counseling, if you came to my office and you're trying to work something out, all right? And this is where you can scribble on your notes here. I want you to draw a circle on your notes somewhere, right? Draw a circle on your notes, Lompoc, follow along too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, we got this, all right? Draw a circle on your notes. Now that's the problem that you're trying to resolve in marriage. Okay, so imagine you sit down in my office, Pastor Jeff, we got this thing we can't overcome. What do you do? I would say, now let's draw a circle and let's say this is the problem. And I would say to the guy first, I would say, okay, tell me how much, what percentage, draw in the little pie chart of how much of this problem are you responsible for? And typical guy, they're gonna underestimate how much they're responsible for. So he's like, honestly, this is like 25% me. She's like 75% of the problem. She talks a lot more, you know, all that kind of stuff. She got a lot more feelings. So that's kind of how it is. And I say, okay. And then I would look at the, the wife, right? And say, okay, now you draw in the pie chart and tell me how much is re you're responsible for. Typically trying to carry everybody's burdens, right? Say, I just, I feel like I'm 50% of the problem. He's definitely 50% of the problem. You know, it takes two to tango. All those kind of things will be said. And here's what I would say in response. I would say, now you take whatever percentage you wrote in, and that's the percentage I give your marriage of actually making it. Because if you're gonna be real, the, every problem you have in marriage is 100% both your problem. It's 100% yours, it's 100% his, and it's 100% our call to get through it, no matter what. Now, I'm gonna give you a little hint, and this is a little fill-in in your notes. I'm gonna give you the guaranteed recipe to ruin any and every relationship in your life. You ready? Every one of them, whether it's friends, 
people you love, family. You're like, yes, teach me how to ruin that family. All right. Here's what it is. Three words. Ready? Make it fair. Make it fair. Go ahead and decide that your relationship and the way you see things is going to be fair. And I'll guarantee you every fair relationship you have will fall to ruin. Why? Because at the end of the day, when you say, it's not fair, I want it to be fair. Guess who you're talking about and who you're thinking about? Me. That's it. I'm not thinking about them. I'm thinking about me. So if you want to ruin any relationship that you're ever in with somebody, go ahead and decide you're going to make it fair. But if you want it to survive, if you want your relationships to thrive, you got to do what Christ did. Oh, what's that? You ready? He got on the cross and he died for sins he never committed. He gave 100% responsibility, took 100% responsibility for things he did not do. And he gave 100% of himself for people who did not deserve it. That's what it's all about. Pastor Jeff, I'm kind of sensitive about this. And you may not be from Buellton or Lompoc, but... But you, you haven't been around here. Uh, you know, I went through a divorce and I've been through some bad relationships and, and, and I've been through a painful string of relationships in my w- life. And, and I don't know if I can hear this. I don't really like how this is going. I don't like how this feels to me. And let me just tell you this. You cannot change your past. Let me say crossroads. You cannot change your past. But guess what? You can, through the power of Jesus Christ, And the blood and the body that we remember and believe in gives us the ability to see a new future. And if you came in here today and you are hurting or you are broken or you've been through all kinds of stuff and you feel like even as you walk out of this place, everybody knows your junk and you're carrying it around. You can walk out of here free and clear of your past, knowing that he has paid for your future. Yeah, that'd be a good place to clap if you would like. This one, Lompoc, I know you're clapping. Like, it's all right. So let me just give you a couple thoughts here. The first thing that I would say is you got to think about priority. I promise that God will be my first priority and my mate will be my second. What? I promise that God will be my first priority and my mate will be my second. Best thing my wife could tell me is that you're number two. <laughs> Not that kind of number two. You guys are the same as in, the, in my valley. You know what I'm thinking. No, I want, I want to be, make sure that God is the priority in everything that we do. The second thing is, is pursuit. I promise to honor you and always pursue you. That's another great promise. I'll give you the promise of priority that that God will be my one and you will be my two. I give you the promise of pursuit that, that I will honor you and always pursue you. And thirdly, the promise of partnership. I promise that our relationship will always be you before me equals we. And that's what it's gonna look like. So what is biblical partnership? Well, let me just give you this thought. 
Biblical partnership is godly leadership and mutual submission, which leads us to the text that Pastor Sam so joyfully decided to let me preach today. And when you get to this, you're going to read and and people are going to go, ooh, that's a tough one, right? Let me just say this. It's about godly leadership and mutual submission. Remember, in relationships, some people are more naturally dominant and some are more naturally passive. How do you know which one you are? If you're sitting there thinking, am I dominant? You are not. (laughs) Right? Let me just... (laughs) (laughs) There's no question, right? If you are, you go, yeah, that's me, right? And in our relationships, usually there's one who kind of takes the lead, another one who follows. And it doesn't have to be like by, by gender identity or anything like that, that we determine that. It's based on the idea of just naturally how we roll. And here's what the Bible has to say when we look into scripture about how we should live together. It says this, and this is in your notes. And further, so he was already preaching a little bit. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I honestly would just say, if you want to underline that whole line in your notes, go ahead and underline it. Make sure you remember that because this is the anchor for everything. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then this is where it gets sticky for the church, all right? It says this, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of his church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, I'm going to encourage you, if you are part of the uh, version Bible community, that's like the Bible app that's on a lot of phones and things these days. I think they have like a couple billion downloads on that. You can look and you can quickly uh, track over to different translations. And another translation that is a great translation uh, or paraphrase to read this in is uh, Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase of the Bible. And he clarifies this passage in some very, very just practical terms. But let me just give you a few thoughts today in reflection of that text. One, what I see in here 
is that partnership requires a couple things of us. It requires a common vision. Now, when he says you must submit to one another in this text, see, the church has conveniently and actually and truly in history, like I'm not trying to like be all women's lib and that kind of stuff, but I mean, I hear it works by the coast, but okay. So here's the idea though. We have in the past in the church and as men, we have skipped over the mutual submission and we have gone for the one way submission that works best for us in a lot of things. But we do it with the church too. Like, you know how everybody should act. They should act like me and they should do like me, but I don't have to do like I'm supposed to do. That's why I say, please be the church that the world desperately needs you to be. And in this text, what we see is the author, Paul, writing to the Ephesians says, hey, I'm clarifying for you. This is mutual submission. You're going to have a submission competition. You can write that down in your notes, all right? It's going to be mutual. And in this, I'm going to clarify for each of you what this is supposed to look like. You got to have a common vision for what this looks like. In submission, Ladies, I need you to respect your husbands. The number of people that I talk to on a regular basis where the, the lady is the spiritual leader in the home, which happens a lot. They'll say things like, Pastor Jeff, I just want my husband to lead. But as soon as homeboy decides to try and lead, she's like, what are you trying to do? This is my program. This is my church drive. You don't get in my way. I'm going to listen to Brandon Lake if I want to, Right. And, and, and those are some of those kind of things. You gotta be able to respect and submit at sometimes to rest under the covering of your husband. Now, husbands, our submission looks like this. Everything I have is yours. I love talking to guys who are like, you know, I just need to get out every once in a while. And, you know, I, I gotta hang with my bros. You know, the guys are all, you know, before you're married, it's like bros before hoes. I can't believe I said that in church. Lompoc, that was for you. Like, I got to hang with my boys. I got to do my thing. I got to hang out in the garage. I got to have a cigar. I got to do this. You know, we brew our own beer. This is what we do. This is how it goes. This is what we do. And it's kind of, ho, 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 ho. Meanwhile, wife and three kids are at home going, man, if I just had five more minutes with dad, what that would look like. See, we got to have a common vision. See, there's not a lot of space. You know where my me time is at my home? About 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. The rest from there, I'm a dad and a husband and a pastor of a church. That's what I've been called to do. Men, you got to learn how to lay down your life like Christ laid down his life for the church. And you and I might actually become the church that the, de the world desperately needs us to be. We got to have a common vision. See, if you have two visions running at the same time, what do you have? I'm going to give you an English lesson. You have division, right? Division. That's what it looks like. Two visions trying to run at the same time. It's not going to work. It's got to be one. Remember what the goal of Satan is. It's to divide us. Now, Pastor Jeff, I'm happy for you. That's a very naive view. You must just have wonderful children and a wonderful, you know, submissive wife. Oh, no, she's a 5'10 Dutch girl who lets me know <laughs> how things are supposed to go, right? 
I promise my schedule is just as tough as yours. I promise you that Satan attacks my family just as much as he does yours. I promise that, that in my flesh, I desire and do things and I'm capable of sin just like anybody else. I make mistakes. I've sinned against God. I've hurt other people. I still live the same life. But the truth is God wants something more for us. Your marriage will only be as good as you decide it's gonna be. Well, there's so many things that have happened to us. You don't understand. There's just been a barrage of family drama and all this stuff. And that that doesn't change anything. It's going to be as good as you desire it to be and what you decide to give away. I'm going to go quickly, but partnership also requires commitment. Commitment. But I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like being forgiving. I don't feel like working You know, there's a lot of things in this world that you don't get to decide if you feel like doing it that you have to do. My wife didn't feel like feeding the babies, right? Like some of you are like, well, that's weird. But we don't get the option of like, well, I just don't feel like feeding my children today. No, I don't feel like going to work today. Well, some people do that, it's a California thing, but... um, I don't feel like paying taxes. I don't feel, you, you don't get away for that very long. There's a lot of things you can't just decide off of feeling. See, your marriage isn't measured by your feelings. It's marriage by, measured by commitment. Feelings follow your commitment. But I'm not happy. But I don't love her. I think we fell out of love. Guess what? People don't fall out of love. They don't. Can I hear a loud gasp? <gasps> They fall out of forgiveness. They choose one day, I'm not gonna forgive you anymore. I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm not gonna let go of that. Getting divorced because you ran out of love is like selling the car because you ran out of gas. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. It doesn't even go anymore. And I know it sounds stupid, right? But we do it all the time. We just, I just don't love them anymore. That's just, it's crazy. I just, the things I used to like, I don't like anymore. Yeah, because you quit. Partnership requires clear priorities too. One thing out of place can make your world completely different. I'm gonna ask you to write something on your note page. You too, Lompo. Write the word united. U-N-I-T-E-D. United. Clear priorities are so incredibly important to keep us united because now right next to that, I want you to write in capital words, untied. Same letters, just the I is out of place. When you get I in the wrong place, you run into problems. And so we come up to these priorities. What are we supposed to do with priorities? What are my priorities supposed to look like? And you're like, Pastor Jeff, there's seven things on here and you have like 30 seconds. So I'm gonna do this real quick. I'm gonna give you the biblical mandate for God-ordained marriage perspective and priorities. And it's this, number one, God. I knew it would be that. I filled that one in already because we're at church. That's what it is, right? Anything that causes you to sin, what does the Bible say? If your left hand or right hand causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Cut it off. Lompoc's like got a bunch of handless people out there. That's why they're Christians today. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
sorry. One guy's got no leg. There, we, we have two of those guys in my church, so praise God. All right. Um, number one is God with an eternal perspective. Number two is marriage. Put your marriage as the second thing. This is the first contract most people have signed in their life. Much grace is given in marriage because offen- with offenses because um, you realize that they're not the enemy. And it's just right under God. What about this? Number three, you're like, what about my children? That's where number three comes. God, marriage, then kids. You know how hard it is to be a parent at the end of a completely jam-packed day and your kid goes, but I want it. And you're like, let me tell you what I want, (laughs) right? Can we have ice cream? I'll make you ice cream right now, you little (laughs) sweetie, right? But, but here's the thing that I think we miss sometimes. What are we really doing when we put our kids first and showing them? What are we really, when we put kids above God in marriage, they go, oh, yay, we got all the ice cream we wanted. We got every Disneyland trip. We did all the stuff. We stayed at the beach. We did our things. It was awesome. But mommy and daddy don't even know each other anymore. It would be better that they see a healthy marriage honoring God then they get the things that they want. I'm get off that soapbox, go back to Visalia. Number four, friends. Remember, life is empty without people surrounding you. It might be, people might be annoying at times. Don't look at anyone in this room, all right? But you need the people around you. Number five, the church. Hold on, Jeff, you're saying God, marriage, kids, friends, church, just keep tithing. They'll be okay. All right. That was a joke too. Just a long poke was laughing. All right. Setting a time for corporate worship is a big deal. Number six is work. Work. Burnout is caused by caring more than you can handle. I mentioned this and I, I pointed this out to a few friends in my life and I said, work should be number six in your list. Now you need to work hard, but it needs to be number six and you're putting it at number one before everything else. That's why your family doesn't get you, your friends don't get you, your church doesn't get you because you're putting work way up there and you're carrying all this weight and that's why you had a heart attack. And that's why you're carrying the ulcers that you have. God says, remember, put me first and everything else will be added to you. Number seven, school. And all the kids were like, yay, it's at the bottom. (laughs) The hope is that we grow in knowledge and wisdom to accurately comprehend priorities. Guess what's number eight? What do you think it would be? No guesses here. Lompoc got it. Vacation and sports. Now I'm a sport guy. I got to be honest. I I used to be an athlete. I know you can tell, (laughs) right? But some of us, we put it way higher on our list. We put that vacation, I'm just working for the weekend. The song told me to, that's what it's supposed to be. But that's not what it's called to do. Uh, Work or vacation and sports are supposed to be a pause from work or school or social interaction to build you up and rejuvenate you so that you can go do what you're supposed to do. Not the thing that's the end reward for your life. And when we look at this, the bottom line, the final thought is this. When we look at our spouse and we're having the submission competition, submitting to one another, submitting to him first, we say, I promise that our relationship will always be you 
before me equals we. You first. You first. You first. I'm 100% all in. Why? Because I serve a God who sent his son to give his life for something that he did not do. To make a sacrifice and submit to the work that he had to do so that I could live. And that's how we're done today. Will you pray with me? God, we come before you right now and I thank you in this moment for the work you're doing inside of us. Help us to be able to understand the submission competition that we're in. Help us to understand what you want from us and for us. Help us to be the church that you desperately want us to be and that the world desperately needs us to be. God, may it start in our relationships that they would see us by, they would know us by our love. With every head bowed and every eye closed on both campuses, here's my question for you today. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Because if you don't, the submission competition is not going to make sense at all. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I would ask you today, would you make today the day you decided to submit everything in your life to him first so that you can be what the world desperately needs you to be? For his glory and the good of the valley. If you'd like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer or something like it with me just in these moments. God, I need you to be my one God. Nothing else takes your place. I submit to your authority in my life. I give you all glory and praise for who you are. But I know I'm dirty and I'm gross and I'm a mess and I hate to admit it, but I'm a sinner. And so today I surrender to who you are. I give you my life, and I ask, would Jesus cover me in his grace? And would your Holy Spirit, from this day forward, help me to follow through with his commandment? Father, we praise you and we thank you, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever.